Good morning. Good morning to those of you on the live stream. Um, if you're visiting with us in either place, my name is Drew. I'm the discipleship minister here, and we're excited that you have joined us this morning. A um, couple things, housekeeping things, uh, before we get started. If over the course of this series, uh, People Revolution, we've been asking uh, you to just commit to some things, and uh, we've been using cards that are similar to the ones that are seated around you or next to you. And um, if you have some that you've had from the other weeks, we would just ask that we'd love to see them. If you haven't turned them in, please do so. You can hand them to me, you can hand them to a staff member, elder, or uh, we have the offering boxes. Uh, we just want to know what's going on because like last week, we got a number of people who said, I want to start reading the Bible for 30 days. I'm going to pray for 30 days. I'm going to be, uh, get into a growth class or I want to be contacted about um, how to grow spiritually, that class. And I was just, thank you for those of you who made those commitments. Um, it's nice when you can stand up here and then people do some of the things that you suggest. <laughs> um, so thank you for that. I'm, uh, as, you, as you know, if you filled out one of those, I emailed you this week. And I'm going to continue to do so because I also understand that 30 days is a long time. And if you're like me, day four was already hard, and I'm not sure if you're still going or not, and not because I'm checking in on you, but because that's how I work. Um, four days, like day five is tough. Um, day 12 is tough. And so I just want to be an encouragement. This isn't me checking in on you. It is, but it's not me going, make sure you keep reading your Bible. Um, keep praying. That's not what I'm doing. I just want to encourage you to keep at it over the next 30 days. So uh, two weeks ago, Chris started this series, and, we were, and he looked at and talked about revolutionary uh, generosity. Yeah, last week, we talked about revolutionary growth, um, and today we're going to talk about community. And before we dive into it, I want to tell a story that I've told before. However, I know how sermon stories go. You don't always remember them, so this will probably be brand new for most of us, uh, which is Okay. Uh, for some of you, you know that I was a student minister for a number of years, and um, I used to do camp, and for 12, 13 years uh, at the telling of this story. And during this week of camp, we were walking through the book of James, and I was teaching each night on a different portion of James, and as I got ready to get up on a Tuesday night, kind of came across, thought about this passage uh, from James five sixteen, and it says this. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I saw that passage, and for some reason, uh, well, I know what the reason is, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said you need to do something with this. It wasn't in the plan, uh, and the fact that I was even open to it at the time is just really a work of God because I had my thing planned out. We don't do last-minute changes. Like, we just, we get ready because I've, I've been ready. If I get up there and I do something different, what will happen, it will just all fall apart. And I hadn't told the guy who I do camp with. He leads the worship. He doesn't know what's coming. My, my adults don't know what's coming. But I decided to follow the Holy Spirit. Excuse me, Holy Spirit. So I'm feverish, feverishly cutting out these little orange squares of paper. Um, 
because that was the color that they had, <laughs> not because they have any special significance. And so I'm cutting these orange sheets of paper out feverishly while the last song before I'm supposed to go up. I leave them and I have one of our staff members pass them out. And I begin to talk to our students about how I know that there are many of them who show up to camp every year who have this thing that they want to put down, this sin in their life that they just keep bringing back year after year. And they keep hoping every year, this is going to be the year that I'm going to lay this down. And when I go home, it's still going to be here because I'm going to get past it. But I also know the reality is, is that they would come here with this baggage. And then as they packed up and went home on a Friday night, they reached back, they grabbed it, and they brought it home with them. And so I asked the students, I said, before we even start tonight, I want you to take that orange sheet of paper and I want you to write down what that is. What is it that you need to lay down? What is it you need to leave? What is it that you keep bringing back year after year, you keep fighting against it, and yet for some reason it keeps coming with you? So they did. And I went on. Didn't say a word about it. They had their little sheet of paper. If you've been to church camp, you know that sometimes then we do some creative stuff like, oh, yeah, you can come like lay that at the foot of the cross or save it for campfire. We'll throw it in the fire and it'll be burned up or whatever the case may be. So we get to the end of the message and I look at our students and I just say this. I say, that thing that you wrote down, that thing that you can't overcome, tonight you're going to do something with that. And I looked at our adults and I said, adults, you're not going to say a word. You're going to go with your teams because we put them in teams so they can develop community over the, over the week and the, the adults are to like walk alongside them. So adults, you're not going to say anything. Students, you're going to go to your group time. You're going to take those orange sheets of paper and you're going to read them out loud to each other. And then you're going to pray for each other. Because James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. And so on a Tuesday night at a week of camp, those students got to see what the church should be like. Got to see their fellow students pray for one another. They didn't try to fix each other. They didn't sit in judgment of each other because all of us have the sin, all of us have the baggage. And the adults afterwards looked at me and said, Drew, you are a jerk. Do you know how hard it was for me to sit in the middle of that while all of that was going on? And I went, I can guess. I had students afterwards go, Drew, you are a jerk. <laughs> yes, I am. You're right. You're right. But I wanted to see we believe that the word of God is true, active, and living. I want to see what happens when we actually do what it says. And so we did. And so what we're going to do right now is you have some cards next to you. I'm kidding. <laughs> Lots of blood pressure just went way up. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Just wanted to cut the tension. But we're going to talk about community today because for that moment, those students learned what community looks like in the family of God, in the church, or the way it should look. 
They were able to confess their sins one to another. They were able to pray to one another, or pray to God, but pray for one another. Because it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's not just something that we like put on Instagram or buy at Hobby Lobby to put up in our house. Like those words mean something. They should. And so today we're going to just talk about community because we are people who are made for community. We are people who are made for community. Throughout scripture, there's this expectation that God's people would be together. And I don't know about you, but COVID put a magnifying glass on me on this, I, this idea. Some of you know I'm not, I, I lean towards the shy side. I lean towards the introverted side despite my job not allowing me to be an introvert. But it did not take very long during lockdown for me to go, I miss people. You know, when, when, when I heard that, I went, woohoo, vacation, right? And I wasn't the only one. I've seen it out there. I mean, I know people were like, this is so good because I don't have to, I get to just be myself. I get to wear my pajamas all day. I don't have to be around people or interact with them. But I found myself about a weekend just going, I miss people. I want to be around people because we are made for community. In the Old Testament, we see this. God gives his commands, his statutes. He gives his laws to the nation of Israel, not just to individuals. Yes, individuals follow those laws, but as a nation, they're to do this together. They're to be the people of God because we are made for community. And we see this throughout the New Testament. Over half the New Testament is written to groups of people called churches who are trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus. And half the time, Paul's looking at them going, knuckleheads, just love each other. Not just as individuals, but as a group. As a community who is following after God. So today we're going to look at some of the very standard community passages. Um, so some of these are, may uh, be fairly familiar to you, but we're going to start in Acts 2. So if you would turn there with me, it's on page 1079 in the Bibles in front of you. Uh, if you don't have a device or a Bible. Um, and we're just going to look at what the early church did, what, what they looked like. Because this is the Acts 2.42 is the really early church. Before Paul even starts writing them letters, this is like day one. And you're going to see some things that if you've been around TCC for a little bit, you're going to see some things that are familiar to you because we try to model ourselves for the most part after this passage. So, um, in this, in Leading up to Acts 2, Acts 1, Jesus ascends into heaven. The disciples are stuck there looking up at the sky going, oh, he left. And the angel shows up and goes, what are you doing? Get to work. He told you. He gave you, he gave you the mission. Go, 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 go do it. And so they do. And Peter teaches uh, the sermon, or he preaches the sermon on the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit comes on them. And 3,000 are added to their number. And then we find this. Verse 
42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, they devoted, they being the church, the followers, the people who became followers of Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily. As a church, our mission is to make disciples who make disciples, and a disciple we define as someone who follows Jesus, who's transformed by Jesus, and who's on mission for Jesus. And we believe that these things in this series are going to help you become more of a disciple. And we see here that the early disciples, the early church, this is what they're doing. They're getting together. There's a they wording, right? It's not singular. This group of people is getting together and they're meeting in the temple courts. They're meeting in their homes. They're fellowshipping. They're eating together because there is something mysterious and amazing that happens when you have a meal with somebody. You get to know them. Walls sort of come down when you sit around and you have a meal, right? I don't know about you. I grew up in a church that had, um, well, fellowship gatherings or potlucks, as we called them. And uh, good gracious, all I wanted every time, bring me some deviled eggs. Just bring me some deviled eggs and the fellowship will be perfect for me. I mean, I don't know about anybody else. But... We would sit around these tables. Well, I would watch the adults because I was young. I'd go run around and play. But I would watch the adults just sit around these tables and get to know each other or reminisce about the times before or whatever the case may be. And the early church is doing this. They're getting together and they're fellowshipping. They're breaking bread, which is, is communion. They're remembering. When they get together, they remember the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But that's not all. They're involved in each other's lives. It says all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. They were in community looking at each other saying, this is, this is a reflection of the love Jesus has shown us, so we're going to try to reflect that in the way we interact with each other. And their community grew. I mean, it says all, uh, it says, um, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. They enjoyed the favor of all the people, it says. When we're in community, we will grow spiritually. When we're in community, we will grow spiritually. The how is this group of passages that, I, that is called the one another's. And I know I get on a soapbox about these, but I'm going to do it again today. Um, there's a slide that we're going to put up here that shows you uh, most of the one another's in the New Testament. There, it appears, some variation of one another appears 
uh, 100 times, but there's about 59 of them, and this isn't all of them. But these passages are teaching us, showing us what to do in community. Be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, build up one another, be like-minded with one another, accept, admonish, care for, serve, love, bear burdens, forgive, be patient with, speak the truth, be kind and compassionate, submit, bear with, teach, speak with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, comfort, encourage, exhort, stir up to good works, show hospitality, pray, learn to spell confess, and confess your sins. I made that slide, so that's, that's on me. But these are the things that, as we follow Jesus, we should be putting into play, into active, uh, the active nature of our lives. These are the one another's. And the fact of the matter is, is that I can't practice these if I sit alone by myself. I might be able to pray for you for a distance, but how on earth do I show hospitality to you if we're not in community? How do I learn to bear your burdens with you if we're not in community? How do I learn to forgive you? How do I, learn to conf- how do I confess my sins to you? Now some of you are going, well, Drew, you can text it or you can call it. <laughs> True, I could, but doesn't that feel weird? Wouldn't I want to do that with a group of people who, I, who I'm in relationship with, who I'm in community with? The one another's challenge us and stretch us. If you were here last week or you, you listened to it or you watched the stream, I talked about how for many years of my life I have, was in a dry um, place of my spiritual life where I just, I just felt like there was something more. And so I told you that the, the things that helped get me out of that were these simple things of reading my Bible and praying. That was like two-thirds of it. The other third is this, to be in community with people, to actually start putting these one another's into practice. Because I know these things, but it's a lot different when I actually do them. And often, I didn't do them regularly. I didn't seek them out. And so in the midst of uh, the lockdown in the midst of me growing in this, I'm trying to put these things into practice. And I'm not saying this out of any arrogance. I'm just, I want to tell you that I'm attempting this because if I'm asking you to do it, then I should be doing it too. And so I'm taking these steps of learning to forgive, learning to love, learning to bear with, learning to confess sins. Because I have. I got a great small group. My small group is great because they treat me like no better than anybody else. <laughs> I'm just one of the small group. They don't treat me like the guy who works on staff at a church. And I've confessed sins to them, all of them, openly, honestly. And I didn't die. Because <laughs> that's what I was afraid. I was afraid I might just die in this moment. But I didn't. And then I had the prayers of righteous people lifting me up. This is how we put our faith into action, is taking these steps to learn to do this, to learn to love people like Jesus did, to have God's eyes and God's heart when we see people and interacting with them so we can practice these one another's.
Yes, they're awkward at first. I mean, nobody wants to just walk up and go, hey, can I confess my sin to you? Right? Some of you were super nervous that you're going to have to write that down on that card earlier, right? Like, that's, that's awkward. But you know why it's awkward? Because we don't do it. The more we do it, the less awkward it becomes. So we have to practice these one another. These are how we're going to grow. In godly community, we're able to grow in Christ through our relationships. As we practice these one another's back and forth, we find ourselves in the place where we need somebody, and then other times we find ourselves in the place where we are needed, and we get to be Jesus to people in those moments. But not just that. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There's a level of us interacting with one another that causes us to grow because we challenge each other. When we let people into our lives who love Jesus, we should be challenging one another. Have you ever had an accountability partner? Have you ever had someone who you've let into your life so deeply that they knew everything about you? And did you see growth in that? Because when that happens, when that's done right, we will sharpen one another. We will grow in what it looks like to be Jesus, we will put our faith into action. And being in community also just, it fights off our individualistic tendencies. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, and it's all about me, unless I fight back. And when I'm in community, I have to start putting other people first, I have to put myself second, put them first, as I try to serve them, serve one another was one of those words, right? I can't serve somebody if it's all about me. So being in community gives us these opportunities to put these things into practice. But you can't just show up one day, do it one day, walk away, and you're good, right? Like think about how would, you, how would your relationship go with your spouse or with your girlfriend or with your son or daughter if you just showed up one day and said hey this is who I am this is how we relate and then you walked away Ellie and I just celebrated 17 years of marriage that takes day in and day out husband and wife conversations right like we build relationship we work on these things so it's a consistency and this is no different this is no different. It has to be regular and consistent. And that's what Hebrews says. If you would, turn over to Hebrews 10 with me. 19, we're going to look at 19 through 25. Um, this is another one of the big community passages that, uh, that gets talked about quite often. And so in Hebrews 10, 19, we're going to start. It's going to be a little bit before we get to the, the fairly commonly known portion of this passage, but it says this in Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who 
promised is faithful. Amen. Verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So at the beginning of that, we get this beautiful picture and we get the reminder that that God is faithful. And then he says, let us consider how we can spur one one another on toward love and good deeds. Again, another one of these one another's. We have to get together to be able to spur one another on, right? And then he reminds us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. If we want to have revolutionary community, it has to be a regular, consistent rhythm of our life. If we want to have revolutionary community, it has to be a regular, consistent rhythm of our life. It just has to be. Emily and I would not be in step together if we did not regularly spend time together. You have relationships that you know get out of step if you are not spending time together regularly. The same is true of the church. Like We need to be together so we can be together. It has to be a consistent rhythm of life. And I would be remiss if I didn't just sort of share some of the ways that we as a church are we're, we're trying to provide opportunities for community. And the first is you're, you're already here, is worship, right? You have the opportunity to come in here every Sunday, be in a group of people who worship the Lord, who are like-minded most of the time, who love Jesus, who get to, to be devoted to him, and we get to interact with one another. And yes, I appreciate it, and as does Chris, I'm sure that you don't have community right now where you're talking, because <laughs> that would be rough on me and him if we had to fight for your attention but guess what as soon as josh says have a great week we have a foyer we have here we have there during covid we had the parking lot to the point i had to start wearing a hat because some of you hung out long enough that my my head got burnt just a bald guy problem it really is but like you can do community here in these moments. And let me, let me just challenge you. My wife suggested this, and I should have said this first service, and I didn't because she told me in between services, and I said, yes, honey. And um, she suggested that I remind some of us in here, don't speed out of here after tonight. Like, stop. Say hello to somebody. Maybe even have a conversation with them. And then you can speed out. Like, let's take some baby steps. But... To be in community, we have to stop and we have to talk. We have to look each other in the eye. We have to shake a hand. We have to do that. And so the opportunity is here every Sunday morning. We also give the opportunity for small groups. Talked about mine a little earlier. I love my small group. And we get to meet together and we get to pray together. We get to talk about each other's lives. We get to dive into God's word. And then we get to just see where that takes us on this adventure that we call following Jesus. What does that mean in our lives? How are we going to put that into play? And then we check up on each other. And all groups have a bit of a different flavor because they have different personalities and different people. But I would highly encourage you, if you're not in a small group, to get in one. Because then you will have the opportunity to practice some of these one another's. 
Because I promise you, it's a lot easier to practice them with people who love Jesus than people who don't. If you, walk up on the, if you try to walk up to somebody on the side of the street and say, hey, I feel like I need to pray for you, that's awkward even with Christians, right? It's going to be awkward with the guy on the street who's like, no, I don't really want you to talk to me anymore. Thank you. Goodbye. Right? But you have the opportunity when we're in small groups where we have people who have like-minded faith where we can practice these. And last, and this is a, this is a newer one where we're, we've started but we're working on, so you haven't probably heard a lot about it. Um, we've, we've just been doing these discipleship relationships. And what that is is a deep dive. Um, think about accountability partners. It's something of that nature with the intent that when it is done, you would then go and do likewise and you would start a group and you would pour into people's lives and so on and so forth so that that would spread exponentially. And these aren't just man-made things, by the way. Like Jesus gave us the example of these things because he, he grabs 12 guys and says, hey guys, come here, you follow me. Right? That's part of our definition, following Jesus. You guys follow me, and let me show you what it's like to follow God. And so for three, three and a half years, they do that. Like Jesus lives out Deuteronomy 6. If you were here like four, five weeks ago when I preached on that during our, our, our parenting series, Jesus lives that out when they lie down, when they wake up, when they're traveling on the road. He's talking about things of faith, the kingdom of God. He's teaching them as they go. And then he actually then breaks down even smaller than those 12 to a handful of three that he meets with on a regular basis. And so these things are not just something we just cooked up. Like we are pulling this straight from the way Jesus did discipleship. But those opportunities are available to you. These opportunities for community. They wouldn't just stop there. I mean, many people find community in our classes Many people find community in serving. But I want to I challenge you. So the worship team is going to come up and um, we're going to want to just talk about this card for a second. And in this process, um, worship team is just going to play for a minute so you have some time to... Sorry. So you have some time to just think about it, pray about it. But we want... We would love for you to commit to being more and more in part of community. So we got four things for you to potentially check off. The first is I commit to attending church three out of four Sundays. Some of you got this nailed. Awesome. Some of us don't. Makes it a lot easier to get to know people when you're here regularly and not simply every now and then. And so we would ask you to commit to that. We're not asking you so our attendance numbers go up. We're asking you so that you can take the step of being a disciple and being a part of the body of Christ that you're called to be a part of. Number two, commit to joining a small group. I know there's plenty of people who aren't in a small group. We want you to be connected in that way. We want you to have people who you can do life with, who when the, when the world is rough, they can bear those burdens with you. But not just when it's bad. I don't know about you. There's oftentimes I want to celebrate and I go, who can I celebrate with? This happens to me every time I watch a soccer game in my house. Every time my team scores, I want somebody to celebrate with me and the ladies are just like, 
Yeah, Dad. Like, no, scream with me, celebrate with me, shout with me. I don't know if you've ever had that in life where celebrate the new job, celebrate what my kid did, celebrate overcoming a sin, addiction, whatever the case may be. It's not just bearing burdens, it's also celebrating together. It's doing life together. Maybe that needs to be your commitment. The next two are you just want us to contact you. So if you have interest in a deeper dive, not necessarily a better dive, just a deeper dive, when it comes to discipleship relationships, just check that box and I would love to get in contact with you. I'm so passionate about these things. We've got some that are going that are awesome and they're growing and we're starting to start new ones. And so if you have an interest in that, I would love to tell you all about that. You will wish you hadn't asked, I promise that. And if you're interested, we're going to have a class, Discipleship 101, and uh, I believe it's on August 22nd at 9 a.m. that I'll be teaching that you can come and figure out more about what we're talking about when we talk about discipleship. But if you want to know more about it, check that box. And last but not least, if you want to be contacted about joining a small group, do that. Josh will contact you. We'll work out figuring out how to get you into a group so that you can start experiencing community that you were created to experience. So you can have the opportunity to put these one another's into practice. Not sure where, which one of these things or if all of them are, are for you, but I would just ask that you take some time. I'm going to pray. You take some time when, we, when service is over, just drop it in one of the offering boxes or you can give it to me. Um, I'm going to be in the back if you need prayer or if you just need to talk uh, during the last song, but right now let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you for what you have done in our lives. And, Father, we thank you for the pattern that you've laid out for us, that this journey is not to be meant to, do, not meant to be done alone. Father, help us to see the importance of community. Help us to be involved and entrenched in community where we can practice these one another's and we can take the next steps of becoming your disciples. Father, would you just put it on our hearts right now for those of us in this room who need to hear it, for those of us watching online today, the steps that we need to take when it comes to community. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his example. We thank you for his obedience. We thank you for his ministry. And we thank you for his sacrifice. And we just pray all of these things in his powerful, powerful name. Amen.